0: Look at his movements. The most dangerous man on the planet, nobody picks him up. What a goal!
1: Sensational! I swear you'll never see anything like this ever
0: again! The world is left to wonder. Wide-eyed, thrilled, bemused. How on earth did that happen? Hello, everybody, and welcome to WonderGoal, the soccer betting podcast from the Action Network. I am your host today, BJ Cunningham, and I'll be joined in just a moment by my friend and colleague, Anthony DeBundo as we break down the Europa League final, the FA Cup final, DFP-Pokal final, along with a little jaunt around Europe to Spain, Italy, and France to close out the regular season in those leagues. But first... Wonder Goal is proudly presented by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with the promo code ACTION to get Bet365's exclusive signup offer. Bet $1 on any game and get 200 in bonus bets. Must be 21 or older. Offer is available in Colorado, New Jersey, Ohio, and Virginia in the United States. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. All right. First up, it's the Europa League final. It's Jose Mourinho's Roma. Taking on Sevilla. The line has been moving quite a bit for this one. Sevilla is currently sitting at plus 187. Roma sitting at plus 175 with the draw at plus 190. Those are the three-way 90-minute lines. And both teams are minus 110 each way to lift the Europa League trophy. Anthony, we if you've listened to Wonder Goal, you know we all have a 23 to 1 ticket on Roma. Um, you know, if Some people like to ask questions about like, what do you do in this situation? if you have that ticket, do you hedge on Sevilla? You know, that obviously being minus 110. I think, you know, we'll obviously get into it in just a second. But for me, hedging is always kind of a a delicate thing. You know, it it really just depends how much, you know, you have on that ticket. Like if it's, you know, a substantial amount of money to you, I would probably say, yeah, I would probably hedge a piece off of it. If it's just, you know, something that's not really going to change your life or just a nice payday, you know maybe just let it ride. Personally, I'll be letting the 23-to-1 ticket ride. And and will you be doing the same or will you be throwing a little bit of hedge on Sevilla?
1: Look, if Roma had opened as like a solid favorite here, you know, minus 140, 150, uh, I probably would have taken a piece off of my Roma ticket and grabbed some Sevilla plus money because I, I think Roma is a slight favorite, but I don't think it's like a huge edge in this final. But, you know, at minus 110, I'm not laying juice to hedge out of this ticket. It's a 23-to-1 ticket. You know... Uh, Mourinho's history here and you know that uh, I personally think that Roma is the better team. What's interesting about Roma is that the market has not really budged on this team consistently. And I know that the form has been bad in Serie A. Uh, they kind of punted away. They haven't won in seven matches now. Uh, they've been rotating through the team. They've had a ton of injuries, which has not helped. Uh, losing to Bala is, is a huge loss, but he's now cleared to play and is going to probably come off the bench. I'd imagine play like a half or, you know, if they need extra time. I don't think he'll start necessarily on Wednesday, but I just kind of think that Roma's the more consistent, better defense, and that will ultimately play here. But let's go back through the history of kind of like how we got to this point. Because this Roma team was like minus 115 against Real Sociedad to advance in the round of 16. And then in the quarterfinals, they were, you know, minus 140, 50 against Feyenoord. And then they were a dog, even money. Leverkusen was minus 130 to advance in the semis. So this has been pretty consistently, and I, I feel like I've said this every single time, except maybe the Feyenoord round, that the market is just too low on this Roma team uh, and in their their ability to defend the penalty area. I mean, this is historic mm-hmm. stuff that they've put up in terms of defending their penalty area. And you saw it kind of against Leverkusen where you know they had 23 shots, they had all of the possession, but they never really looked like scoring in that second leg because they weren't able to break it down and create anything over, you know, the average XG per shot was 0.04. And uh, they just weren't conceding any, you know, clear chances from, from dangerous areas. A lot of the shots were blocked or off target or from 25 yards. This Roma defense in in Europe's top five leagues is the best in terms of XG allowed. Um, You know, Man City's right there with them. Napoli is right there with them, but, you know, from a match-to-match perspective, even with zero wins in seven, <laughs> um, they have conceded just 31 expected goals this year. And, you know, you look at Sevilla and you you kind of have to, like, scroll all the way down the chart to find them because their defense just hasn't been very good. And we and Sevilla's improved, don't get me wrong. Uh, but they're conceding a little bit over 1.25 XG per 90 in Spain this year, and that's a much more defensive league than Italy is. So I think when it comes down to it and the Serie being in good form is important for sure. like, But Marco Sacuna, who's their best crosser of the ball, is out, suspended. He picked up a red card in the second leg against Juventus. So I think that there's going to be real problems here for Sevilla breaking them down. Uh, and with the creation from Pellegrini and Dybala, I just trust Roma more. So in an even money situation, uh, I have no desire to hedge my ticket. If you're not already invested in Roma, and I feel like I've said this a lot, if you're not invested in the ticket, I'd bet them again. Mm-hmm. Once more, I'd bet them to win this tournament uh, because I think that uh, they should be about minus one twenty seven based on my number. Now, the other you know thing to consider is that Patricio is probably worse than Bunu in terms of shot stopping, and that's always a concern because he really hasn't had a great year. It's scary to think how good this defense would have been if he had a good shot stopping year. But again, like I said, uh, Roma trusting the pedigree, trusting you know the manager and trusting the defense to uh bring us home on that 23 to 1 yep. it would be a hell of a cash and uh, cash. uh you know we have a couple more left too more
0: left. yeah i i agree so yeah if let's just say you're somebody who doesn't have the 23 to 1 ticket and you want to bet this match i would with thousand percent take Roma draw no bet or to lift the trophy at minus 110 so sevilla it's interesting because they're under the third manager now mental mendelabar uh has improved them um from the previous two managers. Now they I was reading some kind of interesting tactical stuff about Sevilla because I want to know what they've been doing differently and how they've kind of improved. And so what they're kind of doing is they're doing the deservey style of like baiting teams and depressing them, but they're not doing the combination passing or playing through the middle of the pitch like they did under Lopetegi. What they're doing is they're essentially saying, okay, once the pressure comes, it's Medium to long balls up the middle, up the pitch. Usually, it's series running off the, you know, the back line of the defense, trying to create opportunities there. That's not really going to happen against Roma because Roma's not going to press them high. They're going to sit back and they're going to sit deep. So when Sevilla is going up against a low block, what they like to do, and this is something they've done for a very long time, is create numerical advantages on the width, the wide sides of the pitch, and swinging crosses. Well, that doesn't really work against Roma. Roma's the number one team in Serie A defending crosses into their penalty area. So you have a Sevilla team that has been, you know, 1.2 XG per 90 offensively this season, which has been okay, but like really not that good. Like you said, in Serie's been in form, but up against, like you said, they're the best, Roma's the best low block in Europe and it's not even really close right now. I mean, they are final third to penalty box entry conversion rate is 19.4%. That is insanely good. And I went through it as well. Against the top seven teams in Syria, not one team has created over one expected goal against them in a match. Like that is insanely impressive. And I know this is something that you've also mentioned as well, is that Roma offensively, when they do place the top teams in Italy, you know, they're only averaging around one expected goal per 90 minutes, but they've been they've been good in direct counterattacking opportunities. And you've saw that throughout this whole Europa League run, where that's all they need is just one or two big chances going forward. And the way Sevilla sets up out of possession actually is very, very conducive for that because Sevilla wants to get in your face. They want to press you high and they do play a very high line, but they have average to below average defenders that are defending in transition. It's why they've been so bad defensively all season in Spain. So this match really tactically sets up perfectly for how Roma wants to play with a average to below average offense at breaking down a low block and a below average defense defending in transition that wants to play a high line. I mean, you can't set it up more perfectly for Jose Mourinho here. So uh, you know, I had Roma just for the first 90 minutes line projected at minus one Oh six. I might be a little bit high on them. You know, that's obviously taken into account all of Sevilla's, uh, data from the entire season when they were so bad to begin. So if we did it for, you know, recent form, I probably would be a little bit, uh, lower on Roma, but again, I mean, this is a Roma team that's been around a plus one actually differential per 90 this the season. So, uh, Roma, Jose Mourinho, the lift, the trophy minus 110 for me.
1: Yeah. And I think when we talk about what happened in the semifinal with Sevilla against Juventus, Juventus is somewhat uh, similar in that they don't really press when they lose possession, they drop back. They're very passive. They let you bring the ball into the final third pretty consistently. And Sevilla was able to do that, but then there's the difference, which is that like Roma and Juventus have similar styles, but they're just very different in terms of ability to execute it. I mean, Juventus is like seventh in XG allowed in, in Italy and Roma's first uh, and Roma, the, you know, Juventus lets you into the penalty area and Sevilla had a ton of success getting to the penalty area against Juventus and Roma doesn't allow it. So I, I think you're going to see a lot of Sevilla attacks break down outside the penalty area. And I think you're going to see them look dangerous over the top. Juventus also wasn't really as well designed to take advantage with Vlaovic as the main striker. Like he's just not a running behind guy. He's kind of just not very good by the way, which is kind of funny, but, <laughs> but, but, but like he, he is more of the tr- traditional target man type player. And they just aren't getting, they weren't getting that those kind of runs in behind. Uh, and when they kind of shifted how they were playing, uh, they were, they were able to generate a lot more uh, against Sevilla. So I, I, I do think that this uh, this Roma team is, is much better designed. And this is interesting, like Pellegrini, there's only three play four players in Europe that have uh, over a hundred shots and chances created in uh, in Italy, in, in the top, top five leagues this year. And it's, it's like Messi, Vinny Jr., uh, Pellegrini. Like th- that's the company that he's kind of in. That's yeah. just from the analyst. Um, so, you know, he's been excellent. And then of course, like Davala as like the, the super sub to come in and just be the transition and be the ball progressor, the guy who brings the ball into the final, like he, into the final third. Like he is so good at that. And I think that is kind of a thing that, without Acuna, especially that Sevilla just doesn't really have. So it will be interesting. I'm excited for it. Uh, it's probably gonna be a terrible soccer match in reality, but <laughs> <laughs> I, it will that's be that's what Jose Mourinho does. Exactly. I mean, that
0: match, that match against Leverkusen, like you mentioned, 23 shots, only one shot had an XG rating over 0.1. Like that's just what Roma does. And you know the thing about sevilla as well is like let's not forget they i understand that the second leg went into extra time against juventus but they did concede 3.8 expected goals over the two legs so let's not sit here and act like they had this great defensive performance against a pretty average offensive team in italy exactly yeah, yeah.
1: i i have questions about sevilla and, and look i bet them last round i liked them against juventus but i don't like them in this matchup so uh especially as a coin flip so yeah uh yeah. roma let's yeah. cash it that yep. made me feel much better about next week's finals, when you know, with Fiorentina and, and Inter. Right.
0: So. And I mean, let's not forget, like Roma's also played two Spanish teams throughout this whole thing. Like they they were in a group with Real Betis to begin the whole competition. Although they did, you know, lose and draw against them, they won the XG battle pretty comfortably in both meetings, and then they obviously beat Real Sociedad, which is a significantly better team than uh, Sevilla is. So,
1: I mean, this is and just, that's the other thing. Like you said, that, like they were lined as a coin flip against Sociedad. Yeah, two who legs. is and, and so much ma- better, than marginally better b- by a lot than Sevilla, no matter what form you put Sevilla in. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean it's it's interesting to see this line. I'm I'm surprised by it.
0: Right. Okay. Let's move. The on. The market has
1: flipped Roma. Sevilla opened a favorite. They opened about minus one twenty five, and now Roma's most shops uh, the the money line favorite here, uh, with the coin flip, roughly a coin flip on who lifts the trophy, but.
0: And Sevilla's had, like, outside of the Europa League, you know, run-in here, like, they've had a very easy schedule to end the season here in Syria, or in uh, La Liga. And then they went and played Real Madrid over the weekend, who did not care about the match, who is already on the beach. They went up one nothing, and then just Real Madrid just kept creating chance after chance after chance against them. Like, it's, yeah. Again, this Sevilla- I mean,
1: Sevilla, Sevilla rotated, too, like, yeah. and the Syria didn't play. But, but, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's just, like, not that good of a team. They're an average La Liga team. At some point, you are what your numbers say you are, and like they're an average all team. They're not as bad as they were early in the season. They're not as good as they were last year. They're just average. Roma's bench better than average in in, in Italy this year.
0: Yeah. All right, let's move on because we have the FA Cup final on Saturday at 10 a.m. Eastern time, and it's a Manchester derby. Manchester City taking on Manchester United. The 90-minute line is Manchester City minus 200. United is plus 475 with the draw at plus 375. Manchester City is minus four hundred to take home the trophy. United is sitting at three to one to lift the FA Cup trophy. Um, I am going to have to do something here that I haven't done all season. I I think I'm going to have to bet United in this because I think the market is overrating City. But I'll let you go first.
1: Well, I kind of want you to go first now because I'm okay. so floored by that statement that I can't. Yeah, I, really process it. I mean, this I is- was
0: going. I was going through all the numbers last night and like, here's the thing city, the way they've set up tactically is going to be much different than the match at old Trafford where United, uh, you know, basically had two direct counter-attacking opportunities in the final 10 minutes and secured a two one win. But, you know, in that match, United did an incredible job of closing off the middle of the pitch and not allowing city to play through the middle. Now, you know, you, city obviously sets up very differently right now, you know, with a, With their three, with their uh, three, two, four, one, basically playing five center backs on the pitch. And I saw this tweeted out there and I think it's kind of perfect. It's just like, you know, last year, City was defending with, you know, Kyle Walker and Kinsalo in wide areas. Now they're doing with Ake and Akanji and then Stones and Diaz through the middle. And it's just, they're like, people are trying to go and transition against like literal, like monster defenders who are so good at defending, but also so good at, possessing the ball ball carrying and progressing the ball at the middle of the pitch. So from a matchup perspective, it does worry me a little bit about United because what we've seen from United throughout this, a lot of the season is teams that can counter press them effectively. They can't really build out of the back. So it requires them to be very direct, very transitional, um, which, you know, is something they could have success with against city, although it's unlikely, but where i get down to the end is just from a market perspective i think city is vastly overvalued here at, at minus 200 you know i only have them at minus 127 for the first 90 minutes of this on a neutral field um and that's where i've come down to where i maybe i don't like the matchup so much for united but the market is way way too high on city like well i know they destroyed real madrid but they were too high on them in the first leg of that one I know they destroyed Leipzig, but like they were too high on them for that one as well. So I don't want to do it. I really don't, but my numbers are telling me to bet Manchester United. So I'm going to have to do that. Plus one at even money uh, was the best number I could find for the first 90 minutes. I'm not going to bet them to lift the trophy. Um, But I do think there is a decent chance that United gets this extra time uh, against their rivals if they can put in... A similar defensive performance like they did at Old Trafford. Now, they've been poor against top level competition away from Old Trafford, and that's kind of what's worrying here. Um, it does, you know, not having Los Angeles Martinez also hurts, but Veron's been back. Lindelof's been very, very good in, you know, a fill in role there at center back. They have good defenders in wide areas with Shaw and Juan Visaka to defend Marez and Grealish. So if they're able to close off the middle of the pitch and those two are able to be good, defending in wide areas. I think they can shut city down for an extended period of time. So I'm going to take the full goal with United plus one at even money.
1: You know, I'm not sure how, uh, you know, this kind of brushed across my mind, but you know, Tottenham and man United have had very interesting seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've kind of railed on Spurs and and I've shit on them and said, you know, they're really bad and, and they are, uh, and they conceded, 63 goals in 38 matches now there was some bad goalkeeping in there from Larissa and foster and whatnot uh united though uh conceded 43 goals which is quite good so in fact it's the you know tied for the third best in the league with Arsenal.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: now if you went based solely off of xg who do you think has conceded more expected goals this year Tottenham or Man united
0: well, I'm looking at it right now and it's been united.
1: <laughs> it's crazy, right? I by mean, it is bit, insane. By a
0: little bit, but yeah, it is crazy.
1: Yeah. And and because I want to bet the under here and I actually show a little bit of value on it. But I'm just concerned about what I've seen from this United defense. And I, I think that, uh you know, City's attack is just in a different way now than it was at the, in the last meeting, you know, which was uh, right after the World Cup break. When, you know, we kept having that conversation and kept, I kept saying it, especially that like City's attack was worse and that they hadn't figured out Holland yet and that the shots were down and they weren't like all of that was objectively true for a while. And then they just like figured it out. Pep is a good manager. They solved the problems and they became this supernova uh, of which I have definitely lost more money than made betting against them in the last month and a half, two months. But I'm just like, I can't get to this number either. Like I can't lay it with City. I show value against them winning both cups now. um, Yeah. Part of me wants me to just like throw a half a unit on both dogs and then say, you know, if they win the treble, you know, I tip my hat, but if not, like here I am, because there are some reasons to be a little bit concerned Uh, because like they win the league, right? Um, because Arsenal loses at Forest, which uh, I haven't been on the pod since, so I want to make that point known that Arsenal lost to Forest. But, like, let's go back and look now at what we've gotten from City since about the time when I was like, okay, this team is just, like, not quite right still, and they're kind of sputtering a little bit to the finish. Outside of that Real Madrid performance, they have not played their best soccer in the last month. And it when you when you combine it with how much the conversation around them has been centered around players asking for rests. Uh, DeBrona didn't train for over a week. Grealish didn't train for over a week after they won the league. Um, They had some pretty lackluster showings granted with rotation involved against Chelsea, Brighton and Brentford. All of it starts to get to the point where I think city is overvalued Um, Mm -hmm. because, you know, they had the game against Leeds. Remember that they really struggled to put away uh, and struggled to create consistent scoring chances in front of goal um, against a a team we know now (laughs) awful (laughs) defensively. Mm -hmm. Then they have the Real Madrid showing, which was okay in the first leg. And then of course dominant in the second leg, one of the most impressive performances I've ever seen. But then there's the Everton game where they concede six chances inside their own penalty area inside their own six yard box. Then there's the Chelsea game, where Chelsea creates over 1.4 XG and should have scored. Then there's the Brighton game, which was basically an exhibition of back and forth and wide open, and but a very even game, nevertheless. And then they, they go to Brentford and create nothing for 90 minutes, no Holland. Um, how hard is it to ramp it up again? Because I think it is interesting to think about, like, City trying to just go again uh, with all of their main core after they haven't really played a competitive match in a couple of weeks. Uh, they've essentially had... Uh, since the cup fight, since the cup semi, they've had, you know, two weeks of just kind of nothingness. So I'm, I'm curious to see what it looks like. Of course, like I still like them overall, but uh, this United defense being as leaky as it is, is scary to me. Yep. That's the only thing that keeps me out because I just look at those numbers and I'm like, what, how have they not conceded more goals this year? How are they not getting pasted by city? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so the cup final thing definitely plays a factor, but like at three, I don't really like the United Attack either. One of the biggest question marks for me is Anthony too. Like he's questionable. I'm gonna to wait to see what his status looks like heading into Saturday because uh, as much as I've kind of joked about his poor shot quality and how he shoots from distance, like his ball progression has steadily ticked up. and he's really been good on that other wing, uh, if it is Sancho instead. Uh, what does that look like? If it's Vegh, horse as a striker, guy still didn't score a league goal this year. Again, striker for Man United. Um, like, there's all kinds of how does United do this? Yeah, thing. and like the last meeting was a stone under. You know, uh, yeah, it was a uh, you know that that was the famous Rashford was offside goal, and they just yep. decided not to not to penalize him for it. Yeah, <laughs> um, amazing. But I think it's under nothing for me. In this one and yeah. I do think uh it's it's United or you know if, if you like United though I actually like left the trophy more in a little bit just because yeah um granted it's like you back into hay in a shootout but <laughs> uh I, I kind of yeah. think that that uh United is the uh the value side for sure
0: Right. And I mean, like the, the good news is, is that United, you know, throughout this entire season, like 10 hog has realized that they're not an elite buildup team, like as I X teams were in the area So he's set them up in a way where they are okay playing in a low block and being transitional. We've seen that the entire yeah. season when they played against big competition, like that's the, that's the case you can make for United as opposed to a team like Liverpool or Arsenal, who, aren't really used to playing a low block countering style of play. So United has played it. They know how to play it. They're very well drilled. Obviously, Casemiro in the middle pitch has completely changed their entire team. So they can play a low block and they can keep city out for an extended period of time. Just how long is that going to keep up? And can they be dangerous in those transitional opportunities where other teams haven't been able to capitalize off those? So uh, we'll see. But for United, what they need to do is they need to go back to how they played against Newcastle in the league cup final, which was, we're not even going to build out of the back. Everything's going long and we're just going to play 50, 50 balls. And we're going to try to get at, you know, city's back line and play in transition. Like that's what they have to do to be. I I agree. They're not going to be able to build out against city's counterpress. It's not going to happen. And they're going to continue to turn the ball over like they did against Newcastle in the second meeting. Uh, it's just, that's, they have to play direct. So if they do that, and they defend in wide areas well, and they stay compact. Like they have a chance to keep City out here. But if they don't do any of that, like it's like you said, it's very, very hard to see how they don't concede two, three, four goals. Maybe like the first meeting when they played uh, City at the end, uh, they had earlier on the season when they lost 6 3. So uh, it will be interesting to say the least um, to see, it, even if City wins this, to see if they can win the treble for the first time since United did it in the 1999 season. Uh, but That'll put a wrap on the uh, English season uh, until August after this FA Cup final. All right, let's move on to Germany. The Cup final, the DFB-Pokal. RB Leipzig is taking on Frankfurt. RB Leipzig on the on the 90-minute line is a minus 148 favorite. Frankfurt is sitting at plus 350. The draw is sitting at plus 300. RB Leipzig is minus 300 to lift the trophy. Frankfurt is sitting at two to one. I'm passing on this one. I ran my numbers and it came out pretty close to uh, what the line is, so I think this is uh, for me is, is an easy, easy pass. But you like Harvey Leipzig to lift the trophy here.
1: I do. Uh, I think that uh, Leipzig's attack is is really cooking at the moment, uh, and they have been really dynamite uh, and then Kunku wins the golden boot, by the way, which is kind of remarkable. Yeah. And yeah, I know uh,
0: he was out for like two months this season as well. And he
1: still won the golden boot
0: and he's coming <laughs> off the bench. Like it, it wasn't Mickey way, one, Mouse. One thing, one thing before you get started, I totally forgot that he's going to Chelsea this summer and they're going to yep. somehow try to shoehorn him into this lineup, but which is insane to think about, but sorry, go ahead.
1: Well, I mean, I think he is kind of the striker. Yeah. He's good. Like he's he's good. Uh he's done in the Champions League. He's done in the Bundesliga. Uh this gets back to just like my longstanding principle on this Frankfurt team. And and Mm -hmm. I mean, I've been fading them religiously down the stretch here. And they've they've really fallen apart. But anytime you are sitting in the bottom half of the league in shots per 90, um I'm sorry, you're just not that good of a team. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, yep, and, and so You know, you're overly reliant on creating a ton of big scoring chances, and that's your entire attack. And you play a Leipzig team, which uh, has had some trouble with it at times, but they're not nearly as press heavy as they've been in years past. Uh, This is not, you know, the Marsh Leipzig. Uh, And so this is a defense that when they lose the ball, they're not immediately pressing to try to win it back. Rosa has made them more passive. uh, And I think it's going to take away any real opportunities for Frankfurt to, uh, get those big scoring chances that they rely on to create all of their attack. Uh, and so I look, I like Kolamwani. I think he's a good player, but the rest of this team, man, like there's just no shots in it. Mm-hmm. And you know, they're 12th in shots, ninth in big scoring chances. They're not a very good attack. They don't create an expected threat. 13th there. Um, Leipzig has generally been pretty good at building out from the back. They they couldn't do it against City, but generally speaking, they're they're fine at it. Uh, And that's one way Frankfurt's going to try to get at them. I don't think it's going to work. So uh, I think this is a Leipzig spot. I like them in this matchup. I like them as the much, much better team. I'm laying the three quarters of a goal on them to win this trophy. I just don't really see a ton in it where Frankfurt has an advantage. So give me Leipzig uh, to lift it. Remember, this is the same Frankfurt team that got outplayed and probably should have lost to Stuttgart in the semis. Mm -hmm. Uh, And now that they get in the final... Uh, I don't really like their chances too much. So yeah, give me a uh, Leipzig to win. it.
0: Yeah, I mean it's you know you've seen it obviously with Frankfurt when they have to play good competition. You know what comes to mind is the the match against Napoli in the Champions League uh, quarterfinals where it was round sixteen, excuse me, um, where you know against elite build up teams that can build out of the back and control possession, which Leipzig is one of those teams, especially playing its competition in Germany that they've just struggled against that. So I agree with you, like. For me, the number is just a a tad too high, so I'm going to pass on it. But yeah, it would definitely be Leipzig or nothing. All right, let's move on. We're going to close out the season around Europe. The Bundesliga is done. The Premier League is done. But there is one more match week left in Spain, Italy, and France. Let's start things in Italy. What's your best bet for the final weekend in Serie A, Anthony?
1: Well, if you follow me in the app, then you know that I've been betting this team way more than I should have in the last two months. But they have been actually quietly cashing tickets. Uh, They uh, beat Milan, they cashed a team total over there. They beat, uh, or they drew, well, actually they lost, but they covered against Lazio, of course, in true Lazio fashion. Um, But they covered and went team total over against them and then against Juve, the they hit the post from cashing a team total over. I just think that the market, like I know they're already relegated, like their season's over. Um, this is a pretty much a dead rubber between them and Sauronitana. But, but there, there's nothing in there's the numbers that tells me they're anything but pretty even teams in terms of true talent. I, I know. I is better than their numbers. You know that Sauronitana is worse than theirs. Um, uh, you, for some reason, laid a goal with Roma yep, last week. That I was, did. The worst bet of all time uh because they never had any chance of winning that match by more than a goal. But uh and they didn't, they drew. Uh but I, I kind of just don't really see a huge gap here. And so, you know, last home match of the season in front of the fans. Uh I'm gonna take them drawing a bet at even money. Kevin SA um uh, a little unlucky to get relegated. Like it, it's 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 kind of like a kind of like a hodgepodge of teams down there at the bottom of Serie A in terms of like true talent. But the yeah. underlying process stuff for Kremen S.A. has steadily improved this season to the point where, like, they're actually not uh, a terrible attack. Uh, and so I, you know, against a defense that's been really, really, really bad and gotten bailed out most of the season on variance, I'm going to take Kremen S.A. at home. Yeah,
0: I mean, it's... uh I mean, the thing with Salernitana, if you just want to, you know, I mean, you can already book me down for them to be relegated next season whenever we start our Serie A preview. Well,
1: um, but idea yeah. Diaz is just your father at this point.
0: He is. He's going to – I mean, he's on loan, so I don't know if he's going to stay in Salerno. But,
1: uh, yeah. wherever. 16, 16 goals from uh, eight expected yep. this year for him. Yep. And, and he and did that And they uh, kept them up, basically.
0: He did that at Reims. He struggled at Villarreal and cost me money there. Then he goes to Salernitana and just won't stop scoring against me. Yeah, so he just owns me. Um. Yeah, so I like uh, Lecce and Bologna. Both teams have scored no at minus 110. A Beach Bowl. Both teams have absolutely nothing to play for. And this Lecce team has quietly been cashing a lot of both teams score no tickets for me because they are a top seven team in Italy. Like they're a very good pressing team as well. Like they actually have the third most high turnovers in Italy. Very, very good structural defense uh, in the way that they can attack their opponents against a Bologna offense that has just drastically overperformed. And Lecce is second to last and expected goals in Italy. They're a very, very bad offense, but good defense, bad offense against overperforming offense. I have both teams to score now projected at minus 160. So I think there's some decent value on this just being an absolute slog and both teams just trying to uh, get to the beach. All right, let's move on to Spain. Everything in Spain is 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 wrapped up uh, in terms of the top four. There's still something to play for for Conference League. Uh, but relegation, I tweeted this out the other day, is quite fascinating. Let's set it up really quick because there are six teams that are still alive for one relegation spot. Cadiz, Getafe, and Valencia are all on forty-one points. Almeria, Celta Vigo are on forty, and Valladolid is on thirty-nine points. Uh, Valladolid has has a minus thirty goal differential, so goal differential might come into play here. Um, but you like one of these teams that are already relegated, maybe we'll get a little dead cat bounce to finish off the season.
1: Yeah. You know, we talk a lot about how like teams who need to win, get kind of must win taxed up. And you know, there's not a ton of value in backing them when they're fighting off relegation. Cause they really stink. Um, and mm-hmm. that's true of a lot of the teams in this race here. Like you're looking at Cadiz and Valladolid and, uh, and Valencia, even who's actually a good team that might get relegated. Um, <laughs> but, but, uh, From a market perspective, it it kind of works in the other way sometimes. So, Espanyol has been relegated. Uh, They were officially relegated last week. But this is the final home match of the season. And they're at home against a team that is fighting uh, off relegation. And and it's honestly, if you look at the numbers on who's playing who, probably the second most likely team to get relegated down there. Just because Mm -hmm. of Valladolid being at home as a favorite. If they win and Al Almeria does not, uh, they would be the next team likely to be under the cash there. So like, they're in a real dangerous spot here, but like, there's nothing in the numbers that tells me Almeria is a better team than Espanol. Uh, and so for me to get, you know, plus, you can take the pick on plus money or the plus a quarter goal if you want to lay a little bit of juice because a draw would actually be a good result for Almeria. Like, there's just not anything in these numbers that tell me that they're a better team this year uh, than Espanol. Uh, Almeria, uh, one of the worst defenses in the league statistically. Only L. J. Uh, and and Valladolid are worse. Uh, and and from an xG difference per ninety perspective, I mean, Espanol has been trending up in the right direction. Um, they've gotten results, like they drew Espanol, they drew Valencia, they drew Atleti, uh, and they've tried to stay up here. Like I don't think they're just going to quit now with one match to go just because they're out of it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna back them. And look, you've seen this before. I mean, we just had this conversation in the prem. And and in the Bundesliga, Hertha Berlin already relegated, beats Wolfsburg. Mm. Southampton already been relegated for weeks. Last home match of the season, they get a 4-4 draw with Liverpool. Like, across the leagues, you'll see these teams, just because there's nothing to play for doesn't mean they're not going to try, especially at home. Uh, you're more likely to get a, a, a punt effort on the road uh, from these already relegated teams. So, uh, I I think Espanol's still fighting. I think at home as a dog to Almeria, I'll take him.
0: Yeah, I like, you know, the only match involving two of these relegated teams. Valid lead is hosting Getafe. Uh, You know, a draw is good enough for Getafe to secure safety here. Um, And I like them plus a half at minus 135. I mean, if you don't know about Getafe at this point, like they are the most passive defensive team really across Europe for years now. Like it's always some variation of a 4-4-2 or a 5-3-2 and just it's, defend your penalty box for your life and just look for those transitional opportunities. And I mean, listen, they've been at the bottom half of the La Liga table for years now, and they've been staving off relegation for a long time, but they are the number one team in Spain in final third to penalty box entry conversion rate. Like they do a lot of, a lot of final third entries, but this valid lead team to be essentially an even money favorite or getting close to that at home. It's, it's must win tax. It's, it's a little bit insane to me because Qatafi, has been significantly better in La Liga, and in fact, the last time these two teams played, albeit it you know was back towards the beginning of the season, but it was Getafe's best offensive output of the entire season. They created 2.8 expected goals against Real Valladolid, and you know the Valladolid offense has been better and improved over the second half of the season. But I mean, we're talking about you know a Getafe team that has been you know minus 0.24 actually differential per ninety against. Of Valencia lead team that outside of Elche is the worst team in Spain at minus 7. 0.72. So for Valencia to be this significant of a favorite is just so much. One must win tax and Getafe is set up perfectly tactically defensively to keep them out of the penalty area, defend for their lives, stave off relegation here, only needing a draw. So I like Getafe plus a half at minus 135. All right, let's finish things out in league on. In France, PSG has won the title. Shocking, I know, but PSG lifts their 11th Shocking. French title. Lenz is going to be playing in the Champions League. They secured second place in Ligue 1, and Marseille will be playing in Champions League qualification to try to get back into the Champions League. Uh, Lille, Rennes, and Monaco are all still battling for European spots. Uh, along with Leon, can can shoehorn their way back into a Europa Conference League. And relegation's gotten a little interesting, too. Auger is up two points on Nantes, who's in 17th place. And Ajaccio and Troy are tied on 23. Now, the 17th and 18th place is, is interesting in France because, like you mentioned earlier, uh, a bunch of episodes ago, but France is moving to 18 teams next year. So they're going, two teams have to be relegated and then the two teams are going to play in the relegation playoff. So it's important for Troy and Ajaccio, Uh They can potentially stave off relegation, get into a relegation playoff against a team from Ligue 2. Uh, so that's how it is in France. What's your favorite bet this weekend though?
1: Yeah, I'm going to take Nice at home uh, against Lyon. Lyon just classically inflated off of like, oh, we could get into the Conference League. Uh, <laughs> nice minus 120, Draw no bet at home, uh, plus 145 on the money line. I'm just kind of surprised by that price. Uh and like I think these two teams are roughly even. I would actually make a case that I think uh, you know, like uh, Lacazette's had a great finishing year, but otherwise, this like fr- from a midfield and defensive perspective that Nice is actually the better team. Uh, and and so with them as a pick 'em at home, I'm gonna take them.
0: Gonna take them. Yeah, I like, I mean, this is just a must-win tax to a T. Uh not nonce. Versus Angers. Angers has already been relegated. Their season is over. Nantes needs to win to get out of one of the relegation playoff spots. So they are sitting at minus 350 against Angers. So, like, Angers plus one and a half is an Angers team that has just just drastically underperformed all season long. They have shown some life, though, lately. Like, they haven't quit towards the end of the season here. If you look at their results, like, they beat Troy last last weekend. The week before that, they drew on the road with Reims. So, like, they haven't completely quit on this season. And like we've already mentioned many times, teams that have already been relegated still do put effort in there. And on has shown some effort. They have shown some passion for these last two matches. And I mean, this will kind of just go down in the history books, but I mean, 80 goals conceded off a 60 expected. That's just kind of shows you how bad it's been for on in terms of goalkeeping and just bad variance throughout the entire season. Well, nonce, you know, probably shouldn't be in the relegation zone. You know, they're they're a, a minus point two eight xg differential per ninety, but I mean, this is just going against some must win tax here in France. So, it, all it's right. quite fitting
1: that the last domestic play we give out this season on the podcast <laughs> is the worst team in the top five leagues this year, right? Elche. I don't know man. It would be L-tay. it would be really close. I think uh might be Angiers, Yeah. Yeah. I was I was going to try to I was trying to uh
0: muster up the courage to uh
1: take a,
0: a this weekend, but even though they're still fighting, I mean, against Marseille, but like even though they're still fighting, they've just they've quit. I just I can't put it in.
1: The points per match uh it is Angiers. 0. 0.49 okay. points per match. Not xG difference obviously. Yeah. Uh, that's that is actually uh Troy. Mhm is the only yeah. team that's worse than minus one XG difference per 90, which is mm-hmm. pretty remarkable. But, uh, yeah, that's fascinating. That uh, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, the worst team in the top five leagues by points. <laughs> <laughs> how,
0: that's how we'll end out the regular season here on Wonder Goal. All right, that'll do it for this episode of Wonder Goal. Thank you, Anthony. We have what's on the docket for us coming up. We have one more episode left. Conference League final and the Champions League final. And then Wonder Goal will be off for about a month. And then we'll be back for the Women's World Cup towards the end of July. And then that will lead us right into a brand new season. This is the first, since the pandemic, this is the first regular off-season in the soccer calendar in about three years. So Wonder Goal is going to take about a month break. And then we'll be back in, in the chairs, ready for the Women's World Cup. And then we'll have another wonderful season of European soccer. And then on the horizon next summer, we're back to doing the Euros again. So that'll do it. For Anthony Bundo. I'm BJ Cunningham. Thank you for listening. And good luck on all your wagers in the final weekend of the regular season. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly.